All right, race fans, let's get rowdy. The next 60 minutes will be two men talking one thing and one thing only, racing. From the third tracks of the Carolinas to the super speedways of Daytona and Talladega, no race is too big or small for this duo. Ladies and gentlemen, these are our hosts, Rowdy Maglite and Kyle Magda. This is the Rowdy Maglite Show. the track the hot pass racing network puts you at the track with arca and all the major nascar series from daytona to the final checkered flag the hot pass racing network is your inside pass all right everyone i'd like to welcome you to a saturday morning edition of the rowdy maglite show i am one of your co-hosts kyle magda here with you here on a saturday morning uh I have a lot to cover today, uh, waiting on to hear from Rowdy, but uh, we got a lot to cover, you know, from Bristol. We've already had three races this weekend, the uh, Arkham Menard Series, the uh, NASCAR uh, Camping World Truck Series, and also the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Also practice and qualifying for the NASCAR Cup Series for the Bristol uh, Night Race. So, a lot going on. Um, we have a lot to get through here in the next two hours. Uh, still... Uh, a lot of audio yesterday uh, with Ross Chastain in the media center, uh, Austin Dillon, Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, all in the media center. Let's bring Rowdy right in. Welcome to the Rowdy Maglite Show, Rowdy. Appreciate it, Kyle. Uh, I'm running a little light. Like I'm going to go pick me up uh, something that will get me around the racetrack a little easier, Kyle, when I'm there, so. I'm going to go look at it, and if I like it, I'm going to grab it and bring it back and hopefully be able to have it at Talladega and a couple other places. But, yeah, Kyle, hey, uh, got some great interviews before the race here at Bristol, and uh, that's why we're here. It's relevant right now. It won't be after tonight. So, uh, Kyle, uh, a great day of racing yesterday in the Xfinity race, and here we are, Saturday night, Bristol racing at the last great Coliseum. Yeah, Robbie, it's been an interesting weekend so far. Uh, three races down, one to go. Uh, Sammy Smith won the Arkham Bernard Series race in the Bush Beans 200 in overtime on Thursday evening. And then uh, Ty Majeski scored his first career NASCAR Camping World Truck Series win with Thor Sport Racing and locked into the Final Four at Phoenix. Uh, to um, go for a championship, that number 66 truck. I know, Rowdy, I know I told you, or at least I told one of my buddies all week that I was one of my dark horses was Ty Majeski, and right place, right time. Uh, something we've already seen is tire wear hasn't been that big of a difference. Uh, Noah Gregson stayed out, won 90 lap tires on Friday night. So um, I think that's been interesting. Um, kind of the old Bristol a little bit. You know, worn, you know track position very important, and, um, yeah, we've already had three winners this weekend. Uh, clean sweep for Toyota on Thursday night. Noah Gregson holding on for his third consecutive NASCAR Xfinity Series victory on Friday night. And also uh, Eric Almarola winning the pole for the, uh, the Bristol Cup night race. So uh, Chase Briscoe, his Stuart Haas racing teammate, starts alongside him. So uh, he was the, the, the best playoff driver 
And uh, after the night rowdy, uh, we uh, we go to, we we eliminate four drivers from the playoff, and it goes to the round of 12 for the next three weeks. So uh, Texas, Talladega, and the Roval are going to be the, in the round of 12, and you'll be a, hopefully be a Talladega here in a few weeks. Talladega and Homestead will finish my NASCAR 2022 season out, Kyle. And uh, Homestead's a good track, and I'm going to go on and make my prediction right there. Kyle Larson wins that race because that track is absolutely suited for that 2022 car. And Kyle. Yeah, Rowdy. Well, before we get to, to Homestead, I know uh, Sammy Smith had to fight for that Arkham and Art Series victory on Thursday evening, um, fighting off Brandon Jones for the win. Uh, not easy to do with with, Nat, with Brandon Jones having much, a lot more a NASCAR Xfinity Series experience in that car, you know, going going to Junior Motorsports next year in the number nine car, uh, the car that did win and wound up winning uh, Friday night's race. So, um, you know, I was able to get the audio from uh, Sammy Smith's uh, interview on FS1. So let's hear what Sammy Smith had to say after winning the Bristol uh, ARCA race, the uh, Sioux Chief Showdown, and also the Arkham and Art Series East Championship dominant victory for Sammy Smith in this one here at Bristol. Got a little pressure from his teammate towards the end as you see the celebration going. And Sammy, you get the victory, but Brandon Jones did put some pressure on you on that final restart. Can you break that down for me and what it took to hold on for the win? Yeah, it was tough. Uh, Yeah, just thanks to all these guys. They uh, brought a really fast car and I wouldn't be able to do without them. That was a tough restart there and um, glad we were pulled off. Sioux Chief Showdown champion, ARCA East champion for the second year in a row. What does that mean to you on top of this race win? Yeah, it means a lot. I was telling these guys uh, the two championships uh, mean a lot, but uh, it wouldn't be the same if we didn't win the race. So just thanks to them, TMC, Pilot Pine J, uh, Allstate, Peterbilt, uh, ABM, Toyota, all these guys that work all hard all season, and uh, glad we were able to pull it off. Well, Sammy Smith's on a roll, Kyle. Uh, and his season's not over yet. Kind of look for him to fall into a good ride. Rowdy, don't really know what he's going to end up doing yet. Uh, I think, you know, I I, I firmly believe he's going to be in the Xfinity car for Joe Gibbs next year. Um, I think he's basically won them over. Has the sponsorship from Flying J, Pilot, that definitely helps. Uh, You know, but he's been good this year, you know, uh, that 18 car has been fast every week. Um, finally got that win. You know, I know he's been so close to winning the last couple of weeks. And, you know, Watkins Glen got away, uh, finished third in the Xfinity race there. And, you know, but, you know, ran okay in the Bristol Xfinity race, didn't run too bad. I know he qualified sixth. So, uh, been interesting to see how he's done this year. Um, you know, I got to see him run at Pocono. So, uh, yeah, uh, really, you know, 18 years old. Um, winning a lot, doing really good and successful in ARCA. I'm interested to see how he does at Daytona next year. I'm, I'm interested to see how he'll he'll do in a Super Speedway race. Um, actually, he does has done Daytona, um, but I mean the season opener here come in February um, to see how we you know. I think he'll probably be in the 18 car. But uh, yeah, Sammy Smith. Uh, you know, I think winning a lot of people over. Uh, Rowdy, the uh, the the top three to qualified uh, for the ARCA race: uh, Sammy Smith, Brandon Jones, Taylor Gray. Started one two three, all finished one two three. So uh, Brandon Jones last start of the year. Uh, might hear might hear for some more of those ARCA drivers on on Monday on Monday morning, Rowdy. 
Um, I know there's, there's still some audio laying out there from some of the top finishers, so want to keep your eye out for that. But uh, Brandon Jones, uh, three wins this year. Charlotte, Iowa, and Watkins Glen a second at Bristol and a third at Pocono. So uh, not not too shabby for the 81 team uh, running those five races. and uh, Been good this year. You know, he's had to beat Sammy Smith a few times and beat Corey Heim. I mean, that's the cream of the crop right there. So, uh, yeah, good win for Sammy Smith. Uh, won the pole, won the race. And, you know, won it cleanly, Rowdy. You know, wasn't was no rough driving at the end. You know, he just he won it fair and square. So, uh, definitely good to see you know those those Bristol races not not be as chaotic sometimes because normally they are. Yeah, yeah, he's a pretty clean driver, kind of. He sure is. So, uh, well, with Ty first, no, with Ty, Ty winning the race, and Ty, we kind of talked about it. That was a must win, really, uh, to show that he can can move to the next level. Or Majeski there. Uh, yeah, I think that's that was a career saving win. Um, walking into the championship for Phoenix isn't too shabby. Uh yeah, I mean, you know, now having one of the Thor Sport trucks go for the title, it's definitely good. I think he he's, he's I think he'll be a dark horse once again when we go to Phoenix. So uh yeah, we have a little bit of a media center, media center audio from his uh his win. Um pitted on lap I think it was around lap ninety. Uh, stayed out when others came in and just right right place at the right time. That's been the name of the game so far this weekend, Rowdy. has been track position. Um, tire wear has not been falling off as much, and, you know, the older tires have been prevailing. So let's let's hear from Ty Majeski in the deadline room after winning the truck race Thursday night. All right. We've now been joined by our race winner, Ty Majeski, of tonight's 25th annual UNOH 200 presented by Ohio Logistics. Ty, congratulations on that win. Um, in those final laps, I know this win locks you in for a spot in the final four going into Phoenix. Was, was that on your mind, or were you more focused on just getting the win in general? Uh, I think a little bit of both. Um, I think the eight championship contenders came into Bristol, you know, really wanting to win the race. Obviously, you know, no one wants to go to Talladega and not locked into Phoenix. Um, it's such a huge wild card, and uh, we we brought our best truck here and, and put our you know best effort we could into winning this race because we knew, um, given the amount of playoff points we have, and um, you know we knew winning Bristol w- was our easiest avenue, obviously. So um, obviously, you know, hard to win these races, right? You've got to execute on on all levels and at the right time, and um, it's difficult to do that. So. Uh, just proud of everybody at Thor Sport, Road Ranger. Um, this is such a cool win for us. Um, to win at Bristol under the lights, um, as a short track guy like me, this is a this is a dream come true. And this is your first victory in 40 starts in the Camping World Truck Series. Um, first of all, congratulations on that. But um, like you said, how much did it win? How much did it mean to you to win here at Bristol for your first race? Well, um, you know, my NASCAR career has been up and down for sure. Um, you know, there's a lot of times where I thought potentially it was it was coming to an end. And, um, you know, Duke and Ron, they took a chance on me last season, and I went to go work there as an engineer, uh, ran four races for them last year and, and turned it into a full-time deal. And I knew um, that this was, you know, a really good opportunity for me, you know, Duke and Ron to run uh, state-of-the-art uh, operation up in, up in Sandusky, Ohio. And, um getting to know how they work and, and um, 
sort of the atmosphere that they've grown up in Sandusky. It just fit me and, and fit uh, fit my family, and, and logistically it made sense being in Ohio. I'm um, able to, you know, locate to Wisconsin pretty often and um, be around my family, which is uh, which makes it easy. And um, it's just cool to finally get in victory lane. We've been so close, I feel like, throughout the season, and um, no better time to, to execute and pull one off than, than uh, the second round of the playoffs. All right, we're now going to go to questions. If you have a question, raise your hand. I'm going to get to as many people as I can. I'm going to start with Bob. Oh, Jacob, go ahead. Jacob Seelman kicking the tires. Ty, uh, first off, congratulations. Um, I know you've scratched and clawed at every level from the short tracks all the way up, and I know you've been close how many times this season. Is there something poetic about a short track guy like yourself finally getting the job done here of all places? I think so. Um, you know, I've been a part of a lot of short track races and a lot of premier short track races. And, um, you know, when it came down to that last restart, it was just another late race restart in, in position to win. And um, I've been fortunate enough to, to be in, a, you know, in that position a lot throughout my career. Uh, maybe not on the NASCAR stage, but I've got a lot of experience in it. And um, I wasn't nervous. It was just, again, I just took it as another restart. Um, I, I think Joe was more nervous than I was. He was like, "Okay, you got to hit your, re, you know, hit your shifts here." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> so it was uh, just just cool to execute. Finally, uh, we've been so close all season long. Uh, felt like we have tr- had had trucks capable of winning, and uh, we we're finally able to put it all together tonight. All right, Bob, go ahead. Uh, Bob Hawkers, Fox Sports. Uh, it's not unprecedented for a driver to get their first win at Phoenix and win a championship, which we saw with Hemrick last year. But how, like. How different do you think it will be going into Phoenix, going for a championship with knowing that you've won a race and have closed the deal at least once before? I feel good about it. Um, You know, our strong suit, I think, has been short tracks this year. Ran really good at Richmond, had a really fast truck at Gateway, didn't have the results. So um, I feel good about going to Phoenix. Uh, I think we've, you know, developed a good short track package over the course of this season. Um, You know, obviously, you know, Joe Shear has been – notorious for having um, a lot of success on short tracks with uh, with Johnny and, and Cole Custer and really anybody he's, he's worked with. So um, Phoenix is a short track, but it, you know, it, it's kind of pretty aero dependent, like, a, like an intermediate. So um, it's kind of a cross between the two. Um, but we're going to, you know, we've been working hard. We've been doing some preliminary, preliminary sim on it uh, for Phoenix already. And hopefully we can, we can unload with a good setup. Uh, we've been unloading so close and, and so fast in these practice sessions, and um, that makes the, the day go a lot easier when you unload that close. So um, just testament to Joe, um, all of our engineering staff. Uh, it, it's fun to be a part of those conversations and be a part of, um, you know, having set up input and, and being in the room with these guys, um, you know, coming up with, with what we're going to unload with that weekend. So I love being a part of it with these guys, and we go to the racetrack and win together. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. All right, Matt, go ahead. Matt Weaver, Racing America. Zane said that he felt like he launched better on the bottom on the PJ1, but it looked like the top was obviously super vital for restarts. When Zane chose the bottom, did you think, okay, well, this is what I needed, or did it not really matter? Um, I didn't know. The biggest thing is the launch. You know, if if you can, if you're the bottom guy and you can get into one side by side. The bottom is probably preferred, but the launch is it's so much easier to hit when you're in the top groove, it seemed like, especially tonight. Um, you know, I, I didn't really know what to think. Obviously, I was going to go in whatever lane he didn't, um, just to give yourself a chance to, to win and, and beat him into one. And, um, 
you know, he spun his tires a little bit and um, maybe missed his shift or, or waited too long to shift. I heard him hit the chip, um, and that was, uh, you know, that was my opening. And I knew once we got out in clean air, uh, I had a little bit fresher tires than what he had. And, you know, I had run him down in that previous run, so I knew once I got out front, uh, we were going to be pretty tough to beat. And then the um, the adversity has been well documented. Your your NASCAR specific journey. Uh, do you even like think about that in the last several laps or you know, during the cool down laps? I mean, right now is the adrenaline still kind of the overriding thing, or has it started to hit you that hey, I'm a winner? And what does that mean? I don't know. You know, it's it, there. It, it, you know, there's a lot of confusing emotions for sure. Um, this has you know obviously been a long road, but I, I knew I've known in my heart that I could succeed at this level in given the right opportunity um there's been you know a lot of great people around me that have pushed me through hard times and and um and and kept me going when it when it looked like it maybe wasn't going to happen and uh, we just kept pushing and like i said i took the back seat to, to driving last year ran four races you know took an engineering job at thor sport in hopes it would turn into this and um i knew you know i, I learned a lot from my past failures um Maybe to some people they weren't failures, but to me they were. And um, I've learned a lot from those and took all those lessons and um, applied it to this season. Just really was trying to take um, what the truck would give me and not trying to, you know, take a 10th place truck and finish 7th with it. If it was 10th that day, just finish 10th in one piece and, and work on it and make it better. And that's kind of the mentality that I've had this season. And um, I, I feel like I knew when the timing was right, I, w I would have gotten aggressive, and um, I feel like we did tonight, and we're able to execute at the right time. All right, we're going to go to Deb, then up to the press box for a question, and then back downstairs. Go ahead, Deb. Uh, Deb Williams, RacingTheDay.com. Uh, congratulations, Ty. To go a little bit more on your engineering and working in the shop, how did that benefit you tonight as you went for the win? Well, I, you know, I, I could think. I'm different from most drivers in the sense that I know exactly what's in the truck. So uh, me, Joe Shear, my crew chief, Ryan, my engineer, uh, we sit in Joe's office for probably four hours a day just running sim. And, you know, we, we're coming up with different ideas together. And I'm talking about my past experiences. And Joe's talking about his past experiences at a certain racetrack. And, um, you know, Ryan's running the computer. He's you know, new to asphalt racing, but he's a, he's a great dude and uh, a great engineer. He's doing a great job in his first year. So um, it's just a, a team effort, and I love being a part of those conversations. Um, I'm very much a part of that on my late model program, and I've gotten to the point where I've got enough experience to, to be a benefit in that sense um, on the NASCAR side now. So it's, that's an aspect of it I really enjoy. I love being a race car driver, but I also love, um, you know, coming up with new ideas and being part of the setup conversations um that's something I, I thoroughly enjoy almost as much as driving and uh, being able to be a part of that then going to the racetrack and, and racing um what you've helped come up with is is uh, pretty gratifying okay thank you one other question that this kind of centers on your late model you are the first winner of the kawiki driver development program and what does it mean to you to get your first win at bristol which will always be linked with alan and 30 years after Allen won his championship. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. That's um, a big reason why I did my Polish victory lap down the front stretch. Uh, 2015 was uh, really the season that catapulted my career. 
Um, that was, of course, the inaugural season for the Quickie Driver Development Program, and uh, we went on to win, you know, 20-some races that year, um, set the track record at the Snowball Derby, ran, you know, inside the top three that whole race, and uh, I feel like that was a season where, you know, we were really getting some people um, in the NASCAR community to, to recognize me, and um, and the Quickie Driver Development Program was a big part of that, and um, so cool to, to win here at Bristol. Um, I'm so glad that it that it came at a, at a racetrack like this. That that's meant so much to um, Alan. Of you know, it's just uh, it's really cool. Um, you know, Tom Roberts. He always keeps up with me. We keep in touch. Uh, he runs that program, and um, it's just uh, so cool to sort of see it come full circle, and uh, and be able to do that Polish victory lap. It's pretty cool. All right, we're gonna go upstairs for a question. Chris, go ahead. ChrisKetchfans.com. Ty, you haven't been to Phoenix since 20, 2019. Is that any way a disadvantage for you compared to the other guys that are, are expected to be in the championship four, or does that not matter if you're bringing in a truck that was as competitive as it was tonight? Yeah, I mean, I, I think anytime you've got experience at a racetrack, um, you know, in, in the vehicle you're going to be racing helps. Um, I think that uh, a lot has changed since then. The tires have changed, right? The body builds have changed. I'm on a different team. Um, they're laying, you know, laying a lot of PJ1 down um, on, on the top groove, especially. That's kind of changes how you race that racetrack. So uh, we just got to do what we've been doing all season, develop a good setup. And um, I know, you know, Joe, Joe will, uh, will have something up his sleeve for that place for sure. Uh, he's run good there in the past. And uh, we just got to do what we've been doing all season. Um, that's just execute on all levels and um, got to have good pit stops and got to got to do the small things. And um, track position is key there. So. Um, just excited for the opportunity. Excited to go to Phoenix, uh, first full-time season. We're running for a championship. Um, doesn't get too much better. All right. I think we had one more question. Go ahead. Uh, Joshua Weatherman, Short Track Report. We know how many huge short track races you have won in your career. Where does this one rank on that list? Well, <laughs> it's got to be in the top two for sure. Um, obviously, you know, winning on, a, on the national stage is pretty cool. Um, certainly between this one and the snowball derby for sure. Um, just to, to win in the upper three series of NASCAR, especially when, um, you know, a lot of people doubted what I could do at this level. I, I, it, it feels really good to, uh, to, to show and prove that I can win at this level. It's, uh, really, really nice to be in, in good equipment and, and surrounded with good people. Duke and Rhonda, like I said, have built such an empire up, up in Sandusky, Ohio, um, so cool to, to bring the sword back to them. And uh, I guess Thorsport has swept both both Bristol races, one on dirt and one, of, one on concrete, so uh, it's pretty cool too. All right, any final questions? All right, well, congratulations on that win. Thank you. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. All right, Kyle, I'm going to lock you. That was uh, a big decision. I, I take it that he didn't have a ride the rest of the season, but now he does. Well, anytime you can get in the championship four and have a shot at it, I mean, that's not a bad way to save your ride. But, uh, yeah, I think the accolades are definitely going to help. Uh, Bristol being the first win his NASCAR National Series career. Um, you know, he did run for Roush Fenway a little bit in 2018, and now he's back. So. Uh, with the Thorsport gang. So, uh, yeah, it's good. Uh, you know, Joe Shear Jr., you know, he has that experience, so I'm uh, not surprised there. But, um, yeah, uh, they, they're going to be going to, to Phoenix, and 
you know, there's still three spots left. Uh, two are going to be, well, could be winners, and uh, depending on what happens at Talladega. And uh, another, yeah, so uh, Talladega and Homestead left. Uh, another thing, I, I, I was looking at the truck results from uh, Friday or Thursday night, Rowdy, and uh, Leyland Honeyman, who run up running the Ark or the Arca race for Young's Motorsports, actually didn't make his truck debut from Young's. Uh, finished 29th, five laps down, so a little bit of an Arca note there. But uh, Zane Smith started or finished second in the truck race. Parker Kligerman, Grandfinger, and Matt Kraft were the top five. Uh, Zane Smith, Parker Kligerman started pretty deep in the field. Uh, you know the playoff drivers: Stuart Friesen seventh, Christian Eckes eighth, Chandler Smith ninth. So. Yeah, Chandler Smith, I know he, he led a lot of that race, and just uh, pit strategy kind of got him off track a little bit and uh, just jumbled up the running order. So, yeah, not like I, like I said, Rowdy, not surprised Ty Majeski got it done finally. I uh, know that was a big win for him, and uh, especially when, you're, when you have the playoffs uh, in there as well. Um, definitely not a bad way to uh, help your team out. Well, Kyle, we're going to say the uh, Xfinity race, Monday morning show, but uh, moving on into Cup, we were able to get some uh, interviews this weekend, uh, one of them being Chase Elliott, and Kyle, I'm going to tell you again, like I'm going to tell everybody here, if Kyle Elliott does not change his attitude between now and the next few races, don't look for him to be in the final four, because he has a bad attitude, and we're, I'm not talking bad about him. He just needs to get with the program and let go of that Kyle Larson deal and, and get back to racing and don't act like everybody's against him. Ever since his attitude's been that way, he's been at the uh, back of the field. Uh, Kyle, let's listen to, to what Chase All right, we've now been joined... By Chase Elliott. We'll take questions for Chase. If you have one, raise your hand. We'll get a mic to you. We'll get to as many questions as we can in the time that we have before Chase has to go out for practice. So who would like to kick us off? We'll start here. Chase, uh, Seth Egger, KickingTires.net. With North Wilkesboro coming back next year for the All-Star Race, you're the only active driver with a win there. Granted, it was about 10 years ago in the late mall. What memories do you have from that track? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember going up there. I remember remember a lot about it. Um, you know, I remember just going and, and uh, remembering how and thinking how cool it was, you know, at the time and being able to do the victory lane thing on the lift and, and all that stuff. It was, uh, yeah, it, it was a, a trip down a memory lane that I've, didn't remember but you know i wasn't around for right like I, I don't remember any racing there uh watching so you know for me it was just this place that was you know um kind of larger than life in a way you know you just hear all these great things and how historic the racetrack is and uh watch videos of all these cool um traditions and and whatnot up there so yeah it was a it was a great time fortunately we were able to get the win and and uh you know enjoy some of those traditions firsthand um and, and but like you say it's been been quite a while you know i think that was in um like 2010 or 2011 so been uh been been a few days for sure so remember a lot about it i'm sure it's probably changed some um and, and some things probably haven't but yeah looking forward to looking forward to going back 
Is any experience at the track, Randy? It was a late model, better than no experience? Um, I mean, winning anywhere is always always a good thing. So, and, and at the time, it was a really big deal because, you know, they brought the track back, and there was a lot of hype around the event. Uh, you know, not as much hype as there is right now, um, but there was a lot of hype around the event for, for that time period and what was going on. So it was, you know, just, just fun to, to get the win and kind of be a part of some of those uh, some of those moments and bringing a racetrack back to life, um, and that you know in in, the, in 2010 or 11, whatever year it was, it had been dormant for a while then too. So um, c- kind of similar, but just not quite as much hype around it. But it was still a big deal to me. All right, we'll go to Nate. Nate Ryan, NBC Sports, following up another schedule question. So NASCAR put out the schedule on Wednesday, and you retweeted their schedule tweet and said, less is more, and yeah. you like night races. So expand yeah. on both of those. Less, or less is more, do you think fewer races or more compact schedule? Yeah, I think, I think a more compact schedule, in my, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, look, I don't, I don't make the rules, and nobody asks my opinion uh, that, that does. So, and that's completely fine. I'm not asking for that job. I don't want that job. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, that less is more in the sense of the timing of, of a schedule and, and when we could end our season to uh, make the most for TV ratings and, and things of that nature. Um, I, think, I think we could do better, personally. Um, and then as far as the night races go, I just there's a lot of Sunday afternoons we spend in some really hot environments, which is fine. I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, but if I was a fan sitting in the bleachers, I wouldn't be. For you know three and a half hours in, in August, I'd much rather do it at night, you know, and and uh, you know enjoy enjoy night race number one, which I think is really cool, and the environment's really neat. This is the best race of the year, uh, you know, here under the lights, and and I also understand that it's cool because we don't do it much, um, but I just think you see a lot of short tracks and places that that run on Saturday night shows, and and I think during the summer months, um, it's the it's something that we should consider doing more of my opinion but again i don't get asked i don't want to get asked and i don't i I don't want that role so um just my humble opinion and and uh, uh, that's really really about it okay um is there an ideal number of night races that you think or maybe a track that should have one i hadn't put that much thought into it but just uh in general i like them and i like the idea of them when when it's hot for for the spectators to have a more enjoyable environment to watch in and just one last one. So 36 races, but when would be the time that you'd want to end? Would you want to end like in September or, or August earlier than? Yeah, I mean, 36, 45, 50. I mean, I don't, I don't think it matters how many races we have, um, but I don't see any, any reason in competing against NFL football when that starts. My opinion, that's not a battle we're ever going to win. So, you know, I think we should be smart about that. All right, Jeff. Obviously, this is a much different track than, than Martinsville, but um, is there any apprehension of how this track will race with this car compared to how it has in the past? Or are you a little bit wary of, of how this race will Yeah, run? I honestly don't know, Jeff. I really don't. And I, I would say most people don't. I, mean, I think there's been a handful of guys who have tested and maybe done tire tests here and, and things. Um, I haven't been on the track, you know, in this configuration this year in this car. So I, I think there's some challenges ahead uh, today here in just a few minutes that is going to make for a, a, a battle uh, tomorrow night and not even against your competitors I think it's going to be a pretty big battle against yourself and just 
having your car balance close and being able to match the two ends and you know the shifting thing um, there's there's a lot of rpm difference between the bottom running the bottom lane versus running the top um, so how do they have the drop gear set up you know how are you going to how is that going to impact fourth and fifth gear um, you know the chip can only be set at one location so you know just uh, a lot of a lot of super interesting things that that are normal for Bristol, but I think are going to be unique to, to this car. And, and um, you know, the bump off of turn two comes to mind, you know, a, a very unique bump and, and one that I'm not sure we've really had this year. This place is a lot of vertical load, um, and, and that, that bump over there is, is, is pretty aggressive. Um, but a lot of times you don't you don't see that until you know later in the event when it gets cool and you start really running the top hard. So just a lot of challenges, I think, that um, – I could see on the horizon of just wanting to make sure you have your ducks in the row personally before you even start racing other people. All right, we're going to go Michael, Claire, Hunter, and then Jordan. Go ahead, Michael. Michael Massey, front stretch. Uh, Chase, the, with the way the schedule fell, uh, no cup guys would be able to do the Hendrick 24-hour Le Mans entry. Uh, was there any thought or even interest you know, from your end on you know, thinking about doing that? Um, I, I mean, personally, to be, while we're being honest, uh, no, I don't, I don't have any interest in it. And, and the reason being is because there's no competition in the class. Like I want to go and, and compete. And, and that's the, that's the part that I enjoy is, is, you know, seeing where you stack up against other competitors and where I need to be better and, and kind of challenging myself and pushing myself, uh, when there's no other cars in the class, that would take a, take a large piece of the fun out of it for me. So uh, granted, we can't do it anyway, but my I don't really have a ton of interest in in the way the way that is right now. Maybe maybe if it changes down the road, sure, but um, not this one. All right, Claire. Claire B. Lang, Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. So you're what up 28 from the cutoff line, and you come into Bristol where you have three top fives and five top tens. Where do you think you're at at understanding Bristol? Where would you kind of rank how you feel? you kind of get this racetrack, even as we come in unpredictable this year? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I would have to imagine not much has changed unless, you know, for some reason uh, some type of damage or bumps were done to the track and, and bulldozers getting the dirt on and off the racetrack, which I, I kind of doubt that much has changed, but um, that would be the only thing unique to anything we've seen here in the past. And then obviously the way that they apply the the grippy stuff there on the bottom, it looks wider to me this year than it has been in years past. I don't know that, uh, but just watching the truck race last night, it seemed like it seemed like the last couple trips it was it was a more narrow line around the bottom. Maybe somebody in here can tell me yes or no, but it looked like a pretty narrow line in the past, where really on your, only your left side tires could be in it. You know, you might get a little bit of your rights in it, but it was mainly your lefts kind of pulling you around. And now they have it sprayed so wide, your right side tires are are in it. So, you know, that that's going to extend the life of that stuff. You know, because you have two two different tire tracks to work in it rather than than one. So that's going to you know impact uh, impact the lanes quite quite a bit. I don't know if it'll double it just because it's double the width, but certainly going to make a make a big difference. You, you've always tried to come into racetracks, as I've observed, saying that you don't have a preconceived notion. You never say you like one or don't like one. You're like, got to race it, you know, got to have that attitude. Yeah. 
What do you like about Bristol and what still you scratch your head about as a race car driver? Yeah, I mean, I think Bristol is the one that kind of has that asterisk next to it for me just because the environment here is so cool. I mean, you know, th this fall race uh, at night, you know, 500 laps. I mean, th this was one of the events that when I was a kid, um, it was larger than life. You know, I remember just coming. I mean, you couldn't get a ticket to this thing for five years. Um, I mean, it was just it was just one of those events that everyone wanted to be at. <clears throat> and if you weren't there or if you weren't talking about it, you know, there in the early 2000s, you weren't living. Is, is how I thought it was, and, and I really think that that was, that was reality. So, you know, when I look back at this event and, and what I remember of it, this was one of the races that made me want to be a race car driver, honestly. And, uh, you know, the environment here is, is unmatched, and, and this event is, is special. Um, and and I, don't, I don't see another, another date or, or track on our schedule that, that can rival what this environment is on, on Saturday night, you know, in, in August or September. All right, Hunter and then Jordan. Hunter here in the middle. <clears throat> hey, Chase, Hunter Thomas with fourthturn.com. Um, you know, you're well above the cut line, but it's not impossible to fall out. Uh, what are your thoughts heading into tomorrow's race? Are you a little apprehensive or, you know, your team has experience too? And then also what would it mean to win here on yeah. uh, Saturday? Well, I think given what I just said, it would mean, it would mean a lot. You know, I, I think – you know, you, you look at this race and, and just how spectacular the um, the spectacle uh, that that it is. I, I, that 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 adds an element of um, of the event that I think makes it really cool. So yeah, it would certainly mean a lot. This is a race that I certainly want to to have checked off uh, whenever I you know get done or get told I'm done. And um, I think that you know this is a this is a special place. So. As far as the cut line goes, yeah, no, nobody's safe. Um, you know, I, the only guy safe, I guess, is whoever's locked themselves through. Uh, somebody said the 20 locked himself in last week. So, you know, I'd say outside of him, uh, nobody is. And, and some very capable guys that have had bad weeks, you know, over the last couple of weeks that could win here this weekend. And, and then that changes everything, as we as we all know. So, um, you know, back to Jeff's question, I I feel like, racing yourself and, and uh, making sure you have your own ducks in a row before you start racing other people is going to be vital to a successful 500 laps here tomorrow night. All right, we're going to take our final question from Jordan. Go ahead. Hey, Chase, Jordan Bianchi, hey. Athletic. Um, are you in favor of them putting PJ1 down here? Yeah, I think it's been really nice in the past. Um, the, the width of it here this weekend um, might be a – a tell a telltale on maybe what too much might be or not enough or if it even matters. Uh, but I do think it's been a good thing because it's given it's given an option. You know, here in the past, I feel like the top had had become super dominant, and um, it seems like when it has worked out, and it it seems to me it has worked out more times than not over the last two or three years when we've come here. You know, between the course of the three events throughout the weekend, I feel like about, you know, 100, 200 laps into the cup race, we start having these two lanes magically, and it has worked out really nice. Um, I don't know if that was scienced out or if that was just dumb luck or whatever, but it, it's created a really nice event, and um, it's also created a dynamic in the event that something changes. You know, a lane deteriorates, and you have to search and get somewhere else and find something new, and then once you run off the top, there might be a little grip left on the bottom. You can go back down there and find it. So 
I like that dynamic, and I think it's a good thing for this particular racetrack. I'm not sure it's good for all of them, but I think for here it's been a really good fit. Um, just a matter of how much and, and whether or not we're going to wear this out you know, this weekend. And, and we'll see. It may not matter. Are, do drivers give any feedback, or are you guys consulted on what, how much to put down or anything, or is that strictly a track decision? I, yeah, I haven't. I haven't even. I don't go there. <clears throat> All right, Chase. Yeah. Thanks so much for your cool. time. We wish you the best Thanks. of luck tomorrow. Thank you. At times like this, I think how lucky I am to be a NASCAR Winston Cup driver and how fortunate I am to have a great sponsor like Napa Auto Parts because Napa understands quality and value and the importance of having a friendly, knowledgeable staff. And it's at times like this, looking around at the empty grandstands and listening to the silence of pit road, that I realize I'm at the wrong track. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Bristol Motor Speedway. We have now been joined by Ross Chastain to kick off our media availabilities this afternoon in advance of tomorrow's night race for the NASCAR Cup Series. We will take questions for Ross. If you have one, raise your hand. We'll get to as many questions as we can. And to kick us off, we'll start with Stephen. Stephen Toronto, CBS Sports. Ross, uh, last week was your first top 10 finish since New Hampshire. It, it seemed like things had kind of, not taken a nosedive, but kind of tailed off in August uh, after the uh, Pocono race. Uh, what do you attribute uh, getting back in the top 10 to, and how do you feel the pace of your team is now compared to maybe where you were at the tail end of the regular season? I feel like the pace has not left us uh, a lot of mistakes on my part, and then just racing you know stuff that's going to happen just all piled on for two months in a row there um but the pace never never left and we never questioned that uh it was just a matter of me not messing up and speeding on pit road or freak debris in the drive pin holes at darlington um just crashing like eliminating that and when we don't crash and hit stuff then we're run seventh thank you all right. What a question. Yes. Mark Garrell, PRN. Ross, you certainly had ideas in your head what it would like to be in the playoff before you got in the playoff. Now you're two races deep. Anything surprise you about the intensity or the feelings or different things that you've gone through uh, during these first two? A lot of surprises, and, and I won't sit up here and tell you that it it feels like the rest of the season because it doesn't. It's it's different, and I know that I know that small mistakes can lead to you know ending our chance to run for a championship. So these races, three at a time, three rounds each, do mean more. Like it it does. So I'm not immune to that. But going you know leaving Daytona and Monday morning of Darlington, I was amazed at how normal it felt. And then I thought, well, it's going to come later in the week. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all felt so normal. Race day morning, that was tough. That was, uh, stayed down in, in Florence at a hotel and like the drive over to the track, like 
just a lot of nerves. And then once I got into the rhythm of coming and doing stuff like this, meeting with sponsors, team meeting, lunch, dinner, then it, okay, we'll just, it's normal. Um, but that morning, and, and it was such a, such a, these races are later in the day, so um, the mornings, and I'm curious to see how tomorrow feels, but the morning of Darlington all the way until really I got in the hauler and started my normal, you know, race day routine of meetings and, and appearances um, felt different. Uh, looking back on it, it's cool, but in the moment, it doesn't feel good. I was going to say, did you feel like going into the playoff, you could handle it, hey, it's just another race, and you found out you couldn't? Or did you feel like going in, you knew it was going to be different? I feel like once we got into the rhythm of Darlington and Kansas, we, we handled it. We, we did everything we needed to do. And, uh, yeah, you can look back and see things. It could be done better, but uh, we're all experiencing this for the first time. Myself, my crew chief, Phil Surgeon, my spotter, Brandon McReynolds, like none of us have, even just us three, have never been in these this position in our current roles. So uh, I don't – I expected the week leading up to it, the days leading up to the race, to be harder to get through, and um, they were actually more normal than I anticipated. And then – I kind of calibrated to that, and then race day was like a flood of emotions. So, um, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm right where I've always wanted to be. And realizing that is, it all kind of hit me on each race day. So it's um, it's really cool, and I'm trying to experience all this as much as I can, but um, it's, it's also scary at the same time. All right. Thanks, Mark. We'll go to Jordan and then Claire, and we'll come up front to Bob. Jordan Bianchi, The Athletic. Um, with this being Bristol, a short track, and the first cutoff race of the playoffs, I'm wondering if you're going to be maybe ask your team to keep you more aware of other drivers around you tomorrow night in case there's any fallout from any incident earlier this year. Well, if there's any fallout, I'll be the first to know. <laughs> They're not going to be able to tell me before it happens. So. No, but I mean, I mean, if you've got somebody behind you, though, I mean, are, they, are you going to want to be aware of that? I'm aware of everything going on around the number one car at all times, especially with these new rearview cameras. Um, I tell Brandon McReynolds all the time, like, you better spot our union up there, better put in a petition to get these things out of here because they're nice and you can see everything. So, yeah, I'm aware and um, I know all the, you know, we went through all the point situations of finishing positions through each stage, so we reevaluate through each stage, but it doesn't even need to be said. Um, I have a good enough working knowledge, I feel like, to Caution comes out for stage break. We see who got points, and and I'm going to know ballpark um, how the how it's updating. Um, I don't need a you know a readout every every stage. So. Yep. All right. Next, we'll go to Claire. Claire B. Lang, Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. So it's interesting because you have five starts with a one top 15 finish, average finish here 26.800 30th best. However. With the next-gen car, you can kind of throw some of the stats out the window because a lot of the teams don't know what to expect here. We might see somebody who we never expected to finish well to finish well. Do you wipe that out of your mind? What do you know what to expect of the car here? And, you know, how much do you even rely on what your stats have said so far here? Yeah, I, I mean, when I look back at my cup races here, especially like this is a good example, um, with premium motorsports for most of those races, aside from last year with the 42, it was, I mean, my goal was to finish a single digit number of laps down. So that's nine laps down to the leader or less. I mean, that's, 
that was the challenge. That was the goal, was to keep it to nine or less. Don't be double digits. And so, you know, the things I learned through those races are invaluable. I could never learn that in a fast car. I mean, how to get lapped nine times, eight times, whatever, seven times, like, that's hard to do. Um, I wouldn't trade those days, but also, like, I'm in a totally different space now. So transitioning that has been hard. Um, Y'all witnessed it firsthand, right? My transition from slow cars in the Cup Series to fast cars, um, and you've seen my mistakes along the way. So um, I take all those past races, even though the finishes don't, don't show, but, uh, you know, there was times where I crashed on lap one because I was too close to the field and I piled into a wreck when someone spun off a four. And there's other times where I did the right thing and I stayed back and finished the race. So um, finishes aside, a lot of times 30th, 29th was a win. That was our goal. Or 25th, like you're on 25th in the 15 car back then, and it was you've done your job. And um, so I, I know a lot of people look at averages, and my average now will always be skewed with those early years. And, um, you know, whether at the end of my career I go back to a car like that, I don't know. But for right now, I'm going to keep upping my average to, you know, where it's supposed to be. Um, But it'll always be skewed because of those, and I wouldn't trade that for the world. And real quick, how long do you think it will take for you to get the feel of the next-gen car on this track? Since everybody seems not to know, will it take the whole race? Will it take part of the I mean, how, how quickly can you assess it, do you think? Uh, well, I hope I can assess it faster than some people can turn off music on their phones. <laughs> uh, yeah, practice is going to be wild. Um, you know, I think I think that looking at what the Wheel Force cars did, I mean, all three manufacturers spun out and all three blue tires, so separate of each other, you know, separate of the tire blowouts to so the spins were all from what I was told, and I know the Chevy one did both. So, um, you know, I'm not going to be upset if we're not the fastest because we're probably not on the right on the ragged edge of, you know, air pressure and tires blowing. So um, we we need solid runs. So um, and then driving with these, you know, shocks and the way they they bottom out and you saw us at the beginning. You're just spinning out kind of every practice. I could see that happening here. Um, it's going to be an experience. And um, you know, we haven't ran here in this concrete configuration in a year so it really feels like to me the unknowns of it feel like the races early in the year when we went to the first mile and a half and each track for the first time this is our first time with the new car coming to bristol you can't count the dirt experience just it's going to drive so different all right we're going to come to bob and then nate go ahead bob i'm bob pockers fox sports at 26 points above the cut line do you play this a little bit conservative because of the unknowns? Do you say, hey, let's not uh, try to um, do anything that we feel like could potentially cause a wreck in practice and put us in the back? Yeah, I think, yeah, I, uh, I think, of course, you never want to crash in practice, and especially this year with these cars, you don't want to, don't want to crash. So I think that, yes. The simple answer is yes, but I still want to go fast. And I know I say I don't want to be the fastest in practice, but I do. I want to be the fastest. I want to qualify on the pole, and I want to lead 500 laps. So There's going to be certain situations, though, that it's going to be in my best interest to not insert myself. 
All right, Bob. I mean, Nate, go ahead. Sorry, Nate Ryan, NBC Sports. Uh, following up on Mark's question earlier, Ross, about first time in the playoffs, we often hear that uh, this is the time of the year when teams step it up. And, you know, we've seen at Chicagoland or Vegas, you know, top 10 speeds are all playoff guys or top 10 finishers. Uh, but it seems like, you know, non-playoff driver wins Darlington, and it changed a little bit at Kansas, but it doesn't seem like we've seen as much like dominance uh, from the playoff teams that we've seen in past years. I'm wondering, like, your perspective on that, your first time in the playoffs. Have you noticed from your competition that's in the playoffs that, like, they found another gear, or is it different this year with the car? It's different. This car has reset that whole thing where, like, you can't bring different headers here. You can't bring a new aero package. Like, you're trying to maximize everything, but we all have the same parts. You can't build a new right front spindle and save it for the playoffs and you can't build, you know, bring different brake pads that you've, they've found in testing to be better and bring them now. Like there's nothing else to bring. Like we all order the same stuff. And this has been the the greatest reset this sport has ever seen ever. Like from the very first race, you could build a better car. Now you can only assemble a better car. We all build off the same control arms, chassis, body panels, like, we all scan them in our Hawkeyes, and we bring them here, and we try not to let the sun hit them, and we get them through tech, and then we race them, and they're so equal. It's been the greatest reset. So um, there's really there's geometry and setups, but you're just moving stuff around on the car. You, you can't bring different materials because we all buy the same stuff. Gotcha. Thanks. And then um, one quick one. Just a lot of people obviously point to this track or Martinsville as the place where we might see paybacks, but... Uh, especially given the current point situation and only Bell having locked into the next round, do you think will guys be on so many different agendas uh, tomorrow night that it sort of lessens the potential for guys worrying about like, hey, I got to get this guy back or this guy back? I can't, I can't speak for what other people are thinking. I just know that I hit the wall nice and hard at Pocono, so I don't think track or speed matters. All right, our next question will go to Jeff, Allen, and then Kelly. Go ahead, Jeff. What, what, um, what was your perspective of the thing that happened last week with Bubba and Harvick when Harvick ended up hitting the wall? Uh, yeah, I got tight under Bubba. Uh, we were super close to each other and um, didn't lift in time and didn't leave him enough room, um, forced him in the wall. and you know, I, We got off of each other right before he hit the wall, but it was still my fault. And I, I think on that part, Harvick, no, I, I think – that's the air of these cars, and I mean, I I felt bad. I apologize on the radio, but when I watched it, I'm like, I I can't control the cars behind us. I um, feel terrible that that happened, and obviously, one of my one of my heroes. I don't want you know an action in the middle of three and four to cause a wreck on the exit. But um, yeah, could have could have given more room, especially looking back at lap thirty something for sure. So when something like that happens, you know, you you didn't have any contact with Harvick, but yet. Of course, everybody doesn't give you the benefit of the doubt at this point based on other incidents, and so you get blamed for this or whatever on social media. Do you, is that fair? Do you pay attention to that? Like, that, that your reputation, and like, you know, anywhere you're, anytime you're anywhere near something, it's like Ross, you know? I do know. I do hear it, and I do get it sent to me. Um, but it does not bother me that a tweet will go out right from somebody, and it, and it names Harvick and me and leaves Bubba out. It's like, why, right? Like, what? Why does it have to be skewed that way? Um, it doesn't bother me. I just see it, and okay, now I understand that's where that person, how they view it, right? And that's what's so great about social media is that everybody's opinion is instantly out there. 
And whether somebody has zero followers or 300,000 followers, it does not matter. Uh, their tweet is going to go out, and then people can take it for what it is. And all it takes is a free download of an app, and it's out there. So it doesn't bother me. It's just good to know, and it's good to have your kind of head to the ground and hearing that stuff. And as we all coexist through this sport, it's good to know where people stand and how they view things. And a lot of times social media can tell you a lot about a person. Um, I know a lot of people call it a highlight reel, but you can tell a lot about by how somebody talks and how how they kind of characters they use on there. Okay, we'll go Alan and then Kelly. Go ahead, Alan. Uh, Alan Kavana, PRN. Uh, there's no early consensus whether the Cup guys will shift or not. Can you tell me, just explain what kind of factors go into whether you shift at a place like Bristol, and if so, is that difficult? Super difficult. Um, yeah, I tried it this week in the simulator. Um, it's possible, I think. I don't think it's going to be necessary, but... I also didn't think it would be necessary at Martinsville, and it was every lap. I didn't think it would be like it was at the Clash, and it was. So um, I don't I don't know that we slow down quite enough, but, you know, we're not expecting a ton of tire fall off. But if it does slow down enough, I could see late in the runs, if we still have good forward drive, start trying. I mean, guys were doing it at Kansas that were really tight. Like, it's wild. I never even thought about it at Kansas. But some guys are a little more open-minded to that than me, and I uh, – I'm usually a little late to the game. They have to tell me they're doing it, and I have to kind of work up my confidence. And, again, I don't know race cars as well as you do. Is, is shifting help with speed or handling? Oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help the handling, which is going to help the speed. So, yep. I don't know how exactly, but it does. I don't understand these transaxles yet enough to know. I've looked at them all apart, but... I don't know. I don't. I know. I know what a four nine inch or like a solid rear end. I understand the mechanics of that, but these things, I'm still learning. All right, Kelly, go ahead. KellyCrownerRacer.com. So Ross, going back to what you said to Bob about making sure you are conservative or just doing what you have to do, I, that gives me the sense then that even at 26 points, there's no feel of being safe or comfortable with that advantage on the cut line. No, it's the Cup Series. These are the best drivers and teams in the world, and. You, uh, we all know the math, and we know the points that need to be acquired, and um, we just have to go race. So I, I can't, you know, I can't ride around. I can't do anything. I just have to go, go race. And yeah, you can lose, uh, you can gain, lose points quick, um, for sure. And stuff happens so fast here that it can change any lap of the 500. Darlington and Kansas, multiple playoff drivers had problems. Is there any reason to believe Bristol could not be just as wild tomorrow night? No, I... No, there's no reason to think it wouldn't be. It, it's, on the, it's, a, it's on this spot in the, on the schedule for a reason. There, there's a lot of hope that it's the Bristol of the bottom. All right, Ross, thank you so much for your time. We yeah. appreciate you spending it with us, and we wish you the best of luck tomorrow night. All right, thanks. Everybody put your earplugs in. It's going to be loud. <laughs> it's going to be loud. It's crystal, baby. It's always loud, Kyle. Yeah, it's, all, it's always Bristol, but, uh, yeah, we've had a, uh, some interesting winners so far this weekend. Uh, clean sweep for Toyota on Thursday. 
Noah Gregson winning the Xfinity race Friday night. Um, I think track position is going to be really key in this race. Uh, I think you got to be up front at the right time. And, you know, looks like the tires haven't really been falling off that much. So uh, I think that's kind of where we're at right now. But uh, still a lot left. You know, we have 500 laps tonight, the Bristol night race. And uh, we'll have a we'll know who the, the round of 12 is when we finish the night. That will uh, set the stage for the next set, Kyle. Texas and Talladega coming up. Texas being the first and Talladega being the second. We'll be there, full coverage. Stop by Big Bill's Garage. Kyle, I'm looking forward to it, man. Uh, Everybody's got to do it tonight or you got one of the four going home. Yeah, there's a lot going on in Pennsylvania as well. Uh, Thursday night, the hostheads.com, Greg Honnett Foundation, third classic qualifier at Baps Motor Speedway, won by Brent Marks, no surprise there. Uh, Friday night, the the third classic qualifier at Williams Grove Speedway for the Tezos All-Star Circuit of Champions presented by Mobile One. Uh, Lance DeWeese won the pole, got on the pole. Let every lap won the race. So Brent Marks came home second. TJ Stutz third. Buddy Kofoid, who we had on the show, got around uh, Danny Dietrich for fourth uh, toward the end of the feature, and uh, Danny Dietrich rounded out the top five. So uh, Posse still rules in PA. Um, you know, the Dirt Classic tonight, Saturday night at Lincoln, 20000 to the winner. The All-Star Circuit of Champions sanctioning the event. So uh, interested to see how it's going to go rowdy. I think uh, – like that buddy uh, Kofoid back on one of these days, talk about his little PA trip. But, uh, yeah, um, running with the big dogs. Um, probably going to be a lot of cars tonight. There were, I think there were 33 lot, uh, last night at Williams Grove, which isn't bad. And then uh, tonight we'll probably have a lot more. So um, I'm pretty sure those, those, those qualifiers that you do win, they do lock you into the Dirt Classic. So uh, winning the features, you know, Brent Marks did Thursday night at BAPS and then Lance DeWeese last night at Williams Grove. So... Yeah, it's, it's the it's time to give away some money. You know, we got next weekend, we got the Jim Nace uh, Memorial Open at Seelands Grove Speedway, two nights, uh, 8 p.m. Friday, uh, September 23rd, and then the $26,000 win show on uh, Saturday, September 24th, 7 p.m. Everything starts. So, uh, also with the past 305 sprint cars as well on Saturday night. Friday night, I'll have the late models. But, uh,. That's kind of what's, what's what's going on here. we got the National Open at Williams Grove in a few weeks. Wouldn't be surprised if Larson flies back and forth from Talladega. Uh, then we got the World Outlaws at Port Royal. Then the Speed Showcase. $50,000 to win for a 75-watt race at Port Royal Speedway. That's the week after, uh, mid-October. And then we got the Eastern States 200 at Orange County Fair Speedway uh, for the Dirt Modifieds, the Super, the Big Block Modifieds. So a lot of racing going on, Rowdy. I uh, just wanted to squeeze all that in there. Um, a lot of racing going on. The weather's been really good here, so just like it has been in Bristol. So I'm um, glad the weather's been, been cooperating and getting some racing in. Uh, not sure when my next race will be. Uh, still got some test score of 50 stuff to load up, but uh, we'll get that done in the next few days. Uh, and, uh, yeah, not much else going on, Rowdy. Just, you know, Port Royal's taking a break for a few weeks up until the World Outlaw Show. And then, uh, you know, we got the Seelands Grove race and then the Williams Grove back to Port Royal for two weeks. And, Orange County Fair, and then probably another race of BAPS to attend the season in November. So, lot to, to go, and uh, I'm going to start crowning some champions here soon. That's that's coming up as well. 
looking for that. Uh, just want to remember everybody, we're going to be playing the winners from uh, the Xfinity and the Cup Monday morning, 9 Central, 10 Eastern. Looking forward to having everybody back on. Kyle, I'm ready to roll out of here and let's uh, get ready for tonight at Bristol, baby. That it's going to be very proud The uh, 500 laps of Bristol is always exciting. Absolutely. They're going to knock the tail out of There's been a lot of beating and banging this weekend, so I'm not surprised. Yep. Then they got to get it all ready for Texas. And then we'll, Monday morning we'll know who's gone home and who's left out of the chase. See you, Kyle. Appreciate it, man.